podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On May 28th, critics rave. This is the experience theaters were made for. Run. A Quiet Place Part 2. Rated PG-13, May 28th. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Chavez, he's done it! Four! Vitale, Aguero! Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me yet again, just have Sam today. Sammy, we're taking the reins of the pod yet again for the second week in a row. Let's give it our best shot. Yes, let's do it. And Woody did have a lot of feedback for us after the last episode, as we suspected, didn't he? Yeah, he jumped straight on board. Like, I'm pretty sure the pod came out when he was like halfway. Typing his thing. He's like the sound quality... You guys were moving around too much. Straight yeah. away, bang, out there. Which, to be fair, we might have been. Uh, to be honest, I can't really remember. I can't but really remember. but uh, the fact he downloaded the pod to listen to the second, le- uh, listen on the plane, the second leg of his trip. That's what happened. I think he downloaded it in wherever his stopover was, and he listened listened to it. Now I appreciate the dedication, but did did you hear any? praise from him or was it purely criticisms because i didn't hear too much praise oh he said it was okay i yeah. believe i said he was like oh yeah you guys did all right you know just trying to he's trying to show his worth I he think. is he's, he tr- is. he's not trying to let us know that it's good when he's not here mm-hmm. he likes to be an asset on the show and i think yeah. i think although he was here for the mitch cleary interview wasn't he that yep. was the two before yeah that that did do the best i was going to go down another leg there and say that we we pulled off the best <laughs> responsible audience but no yeah no he was here for that now Sammy, we had a bit of an interesting week because the FA Cup last week left us with little to talk about, but this week a lot more has lot happened. More. We've, we had a record-breaking weekend in that, some abs- cases. Absolutely, I mean we'll hear about more about that later on. I suspect. I, I <laughs> and I mean, then of course, it's hard to go un- un- unspoken. Exactly. Uh, so some big results as well. Liverpool continuing their winning ways. We'll get stuck into that a little bit later. Danny Ings doing things, as Woody likes to say, and he's he- doing bits again. He uh, He's on the score sheet against Leicester when Southampton got their big revenge oh, from yes. earlier in the year. So we'll get stuck into that very soon. But until, well, actually, until even the quickfire results, which I know, Sam, you're a little bit nervous about too. I'm a little bit nervous for. We do actually have a guest on today. Another special guest. Another special guest, just for your pleasure. Ollie Gill. And I usually just say, you know, like head reporter or... But I can't specify his role because he's just involved in so bloody he's much lot, he's done a lot of things I mean, opta I'm sport sure. talk sport espn the you lot you probably most know him from his uh podcast with mark schwarzer exactly two fine reds two fine reds where they pick a red every episode I i'm believe. a big fan of that one a, so yeah, everyone anyone out there that's listening to this and not listening to that podcast make sure you go have a listen now sam get your lips ready just prepare yourself mentally because i'm now going to ask you to hit us with those quick fire results for match week 22 so, Damos, here we go. Sheffield down West Ham 1-0. Crystal Palace got drew against Arsenal. 
Everton beat Brighton 1-0. Leicester got done by Southampton in a big revenge 2-1. United got the job done against uh, the bottom of the table, Norwich 4-0. Chelsea down Burnley 3-0. The Wolves and Newcastle drew. Tottenham lost to Liverpool. And Bournemouth, Bournemouth lost to Watford 3-0. And City demoralised Villa 6-1. Now, I think that was pretty good for a first time. I think if we go back and compare it to Woody's first I reckon, time... I reckon if I did that again, I would be so much better. I yeah, just, actually, you know what the thing is? Woody's going to sit here and potentially say something about that quickfire results. I'll defend you till the cows come home, purely because he would have made us re-record, but you're sitting there and backing it, and I respect that. I back that, because I, I, there was a few things where I wasn't I wasn't too sure about the order if I'm going the team and then the, the team that won or the team that yeah. lost first and you're then I forgot to sell the score. Yeah, no, that's all good. No, I, People know and to be honest... Let's just put it out there. It's not a hard task. So Woody, you're not that special. Yeah, and also to be honest, if the people listening to this podcast, they probably already know the results. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. It's actually a redundant task that maybe we should get rid of. Controversial opinion. Let us know if what you think. Yeah, well, if it's taking away precious time like we are right now, yeah. to be honest. So yeah. let's get stuck straight into our first game and that was... Danny Ings doing things in Leicester versus Southampton. Well done, Shea Adams. That's good from him. A nice one-two with Redmond over halfway. And that's a great ball. And this time Ings is onside. Ings against Schmeichel. And it's going to roll in the net. And Danny Ings has done it again. He takes his shirt off. Saints lead Leicester 2-1. Alrighty, Sammy. This one was probably one of the more anticipated of the weekend. Purely, purely because of what happened last time. And now, if you don't remember... Leicester smashed Southampton 9-0 in what was, I think it was almost a Premier League record. I th- it, it, it was the most, uh, biggest away win ever and biggest the equal win biggest win ever. Yeah, so Southampton had a lot to prove. And did they come out fiery or what? Well, we've known that this sort of transition from Southampton, from pretty much from that game, because I think they played Man City twice in a week after that, and they did actually reasonably well. I think they lost both, but it was more than respectable performances. And from then, Danny Ings has hit form. Should I, should I just keep saying the, the name Danny, Danny Ings for Ings. the rest of the podcast? Maybe we should just post the, the, the name of this podcast, Danny, Danny Ings doing, doing Things, episode... Danny Ings, episode Danny Ings. I mean, we'll forget <laughs> the fact that Aguero scored a hat-trick and became the, you know... Yeah. We'll get into that later, but <laughs> headline Danny Ings. Danny Ings. All right, now, I'm just going look at, to look at sort of the transition as I was getting into. Now, Southampton came out in this one and looked the better team. For most of the game, and especially in that first half, but Leicester obviously got the got the first goal through Pratt, his first goal of of his Leicester campaign. So, congratulations to him. <laughs> but until up until then, well, after that, it was all Southampton. And to be honest with you, two one was probably a result that flattered Leicester. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Danny Ings doing things again. Just gonna, <laughs> just gonna keep plugging it. Just gonna keep plugging it. But uh. Just on Leicester, Damon. Mm-hmm. So, Brendan Rodgers had recently tested out the three-at-the-back system, however, reverted for this game into the 4-3-3. Was it the right call? Look, every, I, you know, we talk about hindsight a lot on this show, so it's easy for us to sit here, but I spoke about uh, a Chelsea-Everton game whilst you were gone, Sam, and I spoke about how uh, Everton's game style at the time under Ferguson, was a very rigid 4-4-2, very direct football. And I said Chelsea should have played three at the back. Now, I'm pretty much going to sit here and say the same. Now, I get it. Fuchs is 33 years old, can't play every week. And Evans and Soyuncu went back into their normal centre-back positions. Chilwell and Ricardo either side of them. 
but to be honest, it, it wasn't working. And even though Leicester were one all for most of the game, the goal was coming for a very long time. So I think I'm re- I'm a bit disappointed that not I don't mind that Brendan Rodgers backed the four three three in like it had worked so many times this season, but I'm not. I don't like the fact that they didn't change. Do you think it was in, instead of the fact that it was more about going back to the four three three because it would had worked collectively? Do you think it's because they dismantled Southampton the first in the four three three nine nil with such a prolific result the first time, and that's why he made the the decision? Uh, I think again, again, I, I I can understand it. Once something works, I can understand why you would go with it again, whether it be a formation or whether it be playing or substituting a player at a specific time. But I also think it's, again, it's really important to be able to understand the game and say, all right, this is not working. We need to change. And if you look at the substitutions from Leicester, they didn't really change the, they went a little bit more attacking with Ineacho, but other than that, they didn't complete, they didn't change it up drastically enough to change the game. And they deservedly lost. Do you think that also, I mean, Speaking about the depth of Leicester on the park that day, Tillemans was rested, indeed he was injured, and then you look at Perez, who had pretty poor output. That all putting together yeah, wasn't it, their day. It really wasn't. And yeah, as you said, Perez didn't have a shot, didn't have a shot assisting, was subbed just on the hour. For a player that really had been doing quite well for Leicester and had done quite well in the Premier League for Newcastle for quite a while, I was pretty disappointed in just all round. And I think that's probably sums up exactly... This game on the weekend sums up exactly why Leicester were never taken seriously as a threat to Liverpool. And it's because as soon we knew... I think Woody actually mentioned it a couple of months ago. As soon as this Christmas period would come, they had to get through it. Yeah. And they almost did, but it caught up with them. Because they actually, their midweek game against Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup, they only made two changes from that game. They played four days well, earlier well, or something. Their, their form suggests in the Premier League that it's not going all that well at the moment. I mean, they've only won two of their last five. I it, mean, it's just not... Yeah, I, I think it depends on that. That can be looked at in terms of ambition. If, yeah. Le- if Leicester want to finish just top four... I think they'd almost accept, they'd think, accept a slump. I think that's what we, we've come to think from Leicester now, though, is that we're not considering them as just maybe a top four team. I mean, they've won the Premier League before. When they're in this kind of form and in this kind of run through the longevity of a season, we're looking at them as a big club that can yeah, push for, sure. for the title, which is a really good thing it, yeah, for Leicester. I think I, I, you struggle to find someone other than maybe a Liverpool fan and maybe a Man City fan who doesn't want Leicester to exactly. do it, not do it again. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, no, it's absolutely. A, they're, they're a very, very lovable team. But speaking of lovable and speaking of, well, Woody's love for someone, Woody's and it's love. Danny Ings. And we have to talk about... Oh, actually, all right, Sam, I'm going to ask, ask you a question. What did you think of his performance? Like just all round, obviously his form's outstanding, but what did you think? I think he tried not to score. <laughs> But his form is just too good. He couldn't. He just couldn't help himself. He, I mean, he scored the winner, which came at a, obviously a great time for the team. But if we're actually dissecting his game, it wasn't his best performance, and he was lucky that he got the goal because it made. I think it overinflated his contribution to the game. Yeah, well, I think he was actually meant to be substituted just before he scored, and then something happened. Uh, they decided not to, and of course. Lucky for Southampton, he did find the back of the net. But yeah, he hit the smashed into the post one shot. And I think hit the post twice in like two minutes. He missed a one-on-one with Schmeichel. He only went at 50% passing for the day. Didn't have an outstanding day. But that, when you're in form, you when find a way. That's what happens. Yeah. That's, and that's, I think, something that carries strong throughout all sport is that it doesn't matter how bad your day is going, that if you're someone who's in form, you're going to get yourself up. And credit to Danny Ings, he did that and he got his team over the line. Yeah, Southampton flying now, almost looking at the, the top half of the table, believe it or not, compared yeah. to where they were two uh, months ago. And yeah, le- two months ago, I was going to say, yeah. about eight, ten weeks ago. Leicester, on the other hand, of course, probably 
you know, one that they'll want to forget pretty quickly. I expect Leicester still to make top four. Do you, Sam? I can't see Chelsea getting them anymore. And yeah, I mean, everyone else below is And everyone pre- else below is pretty irrelevant. So I think they've got a nice little buffer there. They're going to have to start winning again, obviously. Yeah. Champions League, here they come. Yeah, I think it'll be good to see them back in the Champions League and see how far they can go next season. All that right. being said, though, there is a lot of football left to play. That is true. I mean, we, we could sit here even next week and say Leicester are cooked. We've <laughs> still got a, a quarter of the season left. Oh, almost, if not more. If not more. Yeah, well, we're still two, at, at 17, one third, 18. One third, yeah. almost. Yeah, one third. So there's still plenty of football to be played. Now, Sammy, let's move on to a segment where we're going to get stuck into some more individual areas, I think, today, because it is time for everybody's favorite segment and everybody's favorite song, and that is Winners and Losers. Oi, did someone say Winners and Losers? Sure did, mate. All right, Sammy, I know you... I'm going to give you... You have to say your winner first this week, because you really just want to talk about the man and... How good he's been. So who is your winner? Aguero! <laughs> <laughs> you guys would know that from our intro, but uh, who else can it be? Sergio Aguero, hat-trick, becomes the best international goal scorer of all time in the Premier League, passing Thierry Henry. And how does he do it in style? He does it with a hat-trick and a 6-1 victory. So do I need to say any more? He's been a, the stalwart of Manchester City, their leading goal scorer of all time, and mm-hmm. he deserves all the respect that's going to come his way. Yeah, the thing about Aguero for mine is he's not, he doesn't have the pace of Avadi, Mane, Rashford. He doesn't, he's probably like, if you think who's the best shooter in the league, who's the best dribbler in the league, who's the quickest player in the league, he, he probably doesn't top any of them. Yeah, but he's yeah. just second almost in everything. Yeah. And, he's, and it makes him a perfectly all round striker. I mean, we're talking about Ings in the terms of the form thing, and, and that's something that Aguero's held is that just right that throughout serial his, finisher. his time at City. It's just that, like, if he's having a bad day, if he's not on these like playing well, he he's always been that kind of guy that's going to get him will himself back into form, and his consistency is unparalleled throughout the Premier League. So yeah, well, he's been massive, and I'm sure he'll continue to be massive if if Man City hope to you know potentially achieve Champions League success. I and think I that's forgot, one thing on Aguero. Forgot list. to mention that wasn't the only record he broke on that day. It's also his twelfth hat trick in the Premier League, which means he's now scored the most hat tricks ever. Two Far broken records, out. one game. Monster, we salute you, Aguero. What a man. All right. Sammy, my winner of this week is a team that, look, to be honest, I thought they were cooked, and I think many thought they were cooked. But a 3-0 win over Bournemouth, the Hornets are flying. The Hornets are absolutely flying, and Nigel Pearson has turned this team around just in incredible ways. He did it with Leicester a couple of years ago before they won the league. And I'm pretty sure I literally said that exact sentence in an episode previously. But they've earned 13 points in their last five games. It took them 22 games to get that yeah. 13 points before. Well, Dele, we've seen Delphayu in a bit of form now as well, which of is course, helping. Troy Deeney's back from injury. Yeah. and Look, I think Pearson took over pretty much as soon as... Everyone Deeney. started coming. Yeah, uh, so yeah. that always helps. But far out, like, we always knew the likes of Dekure and Capu were, were better than a well, bottom were, table. Well, they were dishing. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, when you look at Watford's list, you don't think they're a relegation battle team. No, they really shouldn't be. And, of course, they made an they've FA Cup final got, last they've year. Got, they've got some good players like, they do. on that list that should be pushing for top 10-ish, maybe, yeah. maybe mid-table area. I like, think, yeah, like for them, it's just important to... They should be where Southampton are. Yeah, okay, fair, fair point. I couldn't agree more. They're yeah. very similar squad yeah. strengths, yeah. I would say. 
Alrighty, um, now over to the losers. Sammy, who is your loser of the week? So I'm not going to lie, I actually pondered a bit on who my loser should be. It wasn't as obvious for me this week. Normally something just jumps out of the, out of the gate for me. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to go with a bit, of a bit of a nonchalant, boring team okay. in general. And oh. they've shown it again how, <laughs> how un, un, exciting they are. And that's Burnley. They're just beat, <laughs> yeah. beaten again by a good team. 3-0, never looked in it. All right, well, like, you know you know what it's funny? It's like here in Australia, you'd probably have to say, okay, everyone picks one of the big clubs to support because of the chance to win the Premier League and win trophies. Yeah. But like, of course, there are other teams such as Newcastle, Villa, that, that do get they, picked they, up. They have a lot of following. Yeah. Well, Newcastle's one but of those clubs that's just huge exactly. for some reason. Like, Imagine waking up at 2 a.m. thinking, yeah, I'm going to watch my Burnley boys tonight. Yeah, like, it's not a they thing put you happens. back to sleep instantly. They're they do. They just, they're just boring. And I think they're sitting 15th. They're really not in that... So they're not worried about relegation this just year. Just yes, just yes. Just yet, but they're not looking to do anything. They're a bit of a stalemate, and they haven't been mentioned enough for being boring. So... They're my loser of the week. Yep, fair shout. Alrighty, Sam, my loser is West Ham. And now, this one is pretty harsh, but I think, you know, West Ham, at the end of the day, the right decision was made. Declan Rice is going to be having nightmares about VAR for a while. The Hammers thought they'd equalised in pretty much the last minute of the game. David Moyes was going nuts on the touchline. Sheffield fans were pretty pretty shattered because they didn't play the best game, but they thought they'd got over the line against the struggling Hammers. But, of course, VAR intervened, and it was deemed that Declan Rice had handled the ball in the build-up to the goal. And it was... It, look, he said he pretty much... The ball got headed into his hand like 10 centimetres away. What is he meant to do? I agree. I understand that, Declan. But at the end of the day, it's actually not VAR's fault... Yeah. That 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 decision was made. It's yeah. the rule. Yeah. If a if I don't mind the fact that it's black and white. If a, if a ball hits a hand and the goal is scored in the play, then it's not a goal. And if everybody everybody plays by those same rules, so I don't actually mind it. If people start to say potentially that this isn't right, and you know we should start letting these sort of handballs go if it's you know used common sense. Uh, again, I probably understand that as well. But regardless of that, VAR is not at fault in any situation. It's the rule book. If if the rule book says it, then we have to just play to the rules. And I think Declan Rice complaining has a little bit of a case, but at the end of the day, he's complaining about fact. Yeah. And when you complain about fact, you're not going to get too many sympathisers. So That's fair enough. Hammers now 16th, one point above relegation. That'd be stressing. Nice. Well, there you go. There's our winners and losers. Done. Damon, I just have a question. Yep. It's popped into my head as I was looking at the table. Mm-hmm. So you remember when we started this podcast, we did our predictions? Yes. Is it time next week to revisit those predictions? Uh, can we wait for Woody to come back? One we can. Mo- oh, we'll one, wait one, for Woody to come back. One more week after that. I one reckon. more week after that. Because I think, I just, was just I was just looking at the table. I think it'd be very interesting I'm to pretty see. sure all three of us had Sheffield going down. Yeah. So I think maybe <laughs> if we just spent a little segment on like the biggest surprises this season yep. compared to what we thought would be a bit of an interesting thing to add. Just something different. Bit Bang. Of flavor. Yeah, 100% will do that. Let us know if you think that'll be a good idea. For sure. Alrighty, speaking of, you know, good, let's get stuck into the best. And that is Liverpool and their, their little bit of a scare, but not really, against Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. That's Henderson. And it breaks for Roberto Firmino! Liverpool's roadman scores away from home again. Alrighty, yep. Tot- Tottenham pretty much didn't get 
didn't get much in this game. Well, some might say they had their chances, which they sort of did. They did. Oh, I mean, Ericsson's miss was a bit of a... Yeah, LaCelso, Son. It's a head in hands. Son smashed it into the bar, it I was, believe. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And LaCelso's one was, for mine, the, the real ordinary one. Of course, our very own Woody was at this game. And to be honest, he did message us asking if he could call up and talk about the game. And we both seen him. So yeah, Woody, Woody, when you when you're listening to this, we do apologise, but you know you can call up next week and tell us all about it, or just wait till you get back. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. just stick to the graphics, young man. Yeah, that's all you're good for. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, now so yeah, Tottenham Liverpool. It was probably a game that you know many thought Tottenham might push Liverpool purely because of Jose Mourinho and his ability to park the bus. But well, he's, he's and he did do it. it. He, he did, did do it. it. It was always coming. He, I mean, he reverted back Chelsea to Chelsea into United, and you know, you know what you're going to get from Mourinho when they're coming up against a good team, and that's exactly what he. And it almost he worked. Delivered. It, it almost. I mean, Liverpool only scored one goal. Yeah. It, so and the goal was scored by Roberto Firmino, and this man, we oh, Sam, I'm not even going to ask the question because every week we're going to get a different answer. It, it's like Mane. Firmino Salah, who's the most important? And it's actually one of the hardest questions to answer because one week you're like, fire out. If Firmino wasn't playing well, today, they would have lost. I, I really like Firmino the way he plays as a sort of, not just a goal scorer, but he's also a very good facilitator in the middle. Yeah. And I think that without Firmino, Mane and Salah don't work nearly as well. Yeah. So I think if you take either three of the cogs out, in my opinion, I think you take Firmino's cog out and you leave that for a long period of time it's going to hurt more than if you take one of the other two out. Just because okay, I feel so, as if... Yeah, so you're you're saying that he's he's harder to replace. I think he's... I mean, that's hard to say. It, it's so harsh when it's you think so about the other say, guys. You think about the other guys, but... And I, I don't know. I just feel as if... I think what, I, what I'm trying to say is that he shouldn't be disregarded because without one, they all wouldn't be as good. Yeah. I think yeah. that's where we have to leave it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more with that. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's better than the other two, but I'm trying to make it an even without one of the cogs. They're not working as well together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so yeah, Jose parked the bus. It was a pretty ordinary game. Um, but nevertheless, Roberto Firmino... He continues his fine form. That was actually his third go- third consecutive goal in an away game for the Reds. 100% passing, uh, sorry, 87 passing accuracy, um, 100% take-ons completed. Again, Sam, looking like pretty much evidence of that central player that he can be, that ability to yeah. f- pick a pass. But of course, four chances created as well, three ball recoveries and a goal. And that's what you, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's just he's so all-round. And you'd have to say he'd almost like... If you put him in a central midfield position, I mean, he'd almost be able to do a job. It's, yeah. He's that that good at just ball at feet, and I th- that's what Liverpool have really good at the moment as well. I feel like they're all, as much as they're individual superstars, they're all playing for the team. They're all role players. I I, uh, I pose a question to you, Sam. Go on. I was, I look at Arsenal's invincibles, and obviously Liverpool haven't won a team. Oh, won a team, won a game. Uh, haven't lost a game yet. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about, talking about won a Premier. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, so Liverpool haven't lost a game, and of course Arsenal went a season undefeated. Look, if you compare both lists, who would win a game tomorrow, both in their prime? Okay, so I'm thinking, just off the top of my head, because you've come at this, I'm thinking it's the it's the Arsenal team. Of Henri, Vieira, Petit, Burkamp, Burkamp. Okay. L- so just just to get that in my yeah. in my, I, it's hard to say. It, everyone will romanticize about the older teams, just yeah. because that's the way 
it is. It's mm-hmm. like no one ever appreciates the time and the moment. But if you put he- them head to head, I'm not going to answer that because I actually don't know. You know, you, you, I actually think if I think Liverpool's defense is better at the moment. I, I, I'll, all I'll say is I'll say this: when you have almost 20 years now of science tactic. Tactics in oh, behind see, you. Yeah, but I was I wasn't gonna say, I was gonna leave that out. I would say if you put them together right now, the exact same team, the same tactics, I'd say Liverpool would win. Yeah. Because of the as you would just mentioned, the signs and then the fact that it's a different game now than it is back then. Yeah. Players so, Oh actually no, I don't I was about to say players work so much harder. That's just insulting to every player from the past. I how do I know? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, but, we don't know. But I, I think Liverpool would win now just because of the sports science. But if you brought that Arsenal team up to now. That's what I'm trying to put them on a level playing field. Okay, yeah. I, I just don't know. I think I would say Arsenal have the better team on paper for now because you know, look at Sadio Mane, I, I, best I, player of the year, but he's only done it for one year. Yeah, but I look at yeah, and I look at the midfields, and I think that Arsenal team's midfield. Oh, dominate! It would bully. Yeah. Even though Fabinho is an absolute tank, I think coming up against Manuel Petit and Patrick Vieira. These and guys, Burkham sitting just in front, yeah. and then Thierry Henry in, in front Pere, of him. Perez might have been in there. Owen on, I mean, Owen uh, over Mars on yeah. the left. Perez, it, mate, it was it's just an unbelievable team on paper, but it's hard to say. Alrighty, anyway, let's just get stuck back into the game. We won't go into it too much, but it's probably just worth looking at Tottenham and how uh, Christian Eriksen's output on the weekend, and he, he's probably the talking point out of the game, other than the fact that Liverpool won and. Look, his time looks done at Spurs for mine. He, he, cre- he did actually create, statistically, he created a fair amount of chances for Tottenham. Could have, he could have sealed the, he could have drawn the game up. Yeah, there. but I, I just think overall his performance is pretty poor and he actually got booed off. Yeah, well, I'm actually not really sure what the point is now playing him. Like, if he wants to leave, just let him get some money from somewhere else before the season ends and get him out of there. Inter Milan is looking likely now. Four-year deal's on the table, so... I don't know. And I also think the appointment of Mourinho is kind of pushed Ericsson over the edge. He seems yeah. to be a bit head down, not really enjoying his time at Tottenham. It's time for him to leave. You, you sort of see that just, uh, you know, Ericsson was walking around on Saturday as if to say, watching about eight players behind him mm. defend. And he was just like, this isn't what I want to be a part of. And, you, you know, some players are like that. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get that workman's mentality but from everybody. I think that's the other thing about the modern sportsman as well. It's like I feel as if loyalty in game like loyal, like club loyalty is not as important in some regards. Like players are players are more demanding yeah, of what they want. It, what they want is it can become more about the player and I think Ericsson has, has been a loyal servant for Tottenham for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's he knows it's time for him for a new challenge. Yeah. I mean I think they've exhausted Every they've squeezed that they've wrung that towel out as much as they can. Hundred percent. Tottenham, if anything, probably started a little mini rebuild now as yeah. well. You can't say them winning a league for the, at least two or three years. In two or three years, where's Ericsson going to be exactly. at the latter end of his career? So exactly. he might as well go and look it's just like for a little a, bit of coin and a little bit of trophy. It's just like a reflush. I mean, every club has to do it. Exactly. So anyway, um, other than that, Sam, I'm pretty much happy to wrap the analysis of this one up. It's actually not too much to talk about. Funny enough, Joe, Tottenham have conceded 20 goals in 13 matches in all competitions under Jose. It took Jose in his first time at Chelsea 44 games to hit that. <laughs> like, it just shows how weak this Tottenham team is compared to the previous teams that Jose's taken over. Well, I mean, over. Jose's talking about how good he is a manager. I've won so many trophies. <laughs> he needs to put his money where his mouth is and get this team that's not custom-built 
yeah. to win a title. Otherwise... I think if we're talking about this in 12 months' time, it'd be an issue. Yeah. So he's probably, I think at the end of the season, it'll almost be like, how do we rate Tottenham? It'll just he's be a, like, yeah, well, we don't really know. Well, for Jose me, Mourinho is a polarising figure and I'd like to see him fail, but that's just being me being harsh. So I don't like the bloke. I think he's <laughs> negative. I think he's just a bit of a prick. If I, I think but we're going to wrap up. We the, have to wrap it up. Wrap yeah. up the Tottenham, I, Tottenham Liverpool on this one. I, I, people would think that I hate Tottenham. I don't hate Tottenham because I potted them the last two weeks as well. Yeah, I know. And and I just potted them. Did it early on in the season I actually as well. like Tottenham. <laughs> That's why I'm hard on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Because I that, actually yeah. like them. All right, now, Sammy, it's t- time to get on a person who we've probably been, you know, looking at for a while. And I don't know about you, but he's one of the more exciting guests we've had in terms of what we're going to be able to talk to him about. Yeah, in terms of where we're at with what we're doing now and the age we're at. By far the most relatable. By far the most relatable. So... All right, shall we, shall we get him on the line? We should get him on the line. Sweet, let's do it. Ollie Gill, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? And thank you for joining us from all the way from London. Uh, look, it's a pleasure, guys. I'm immersing myself into the British culture. I've just made myself a cup of tea. Uh, my <laughs> pinky finger is, is up in the air, and I'm, uh, no, I'm definitely assimilating into life in London very easily. Is it an English breakfast tea, or have you gone to Earl Grey? Or no, no, different. no, it's absolutely, no, it is absolutely an English breakfast. Although, having said that, my mum did give me for Christmas, she sent over uh, a tea to uh, Melbourne breakfast tea. Oh, so yeah. it's uh, a <laughs> mostly tea with the plunge. So uh, that might get a, a run a little bit later on today. But the, essentially the rule is in England, you, you have to have between four to five cups of tea a day. Uh, depending <laughs> on what tea bag, that's up to you. Yeah. Uh, as long as you have those four to five. So I reckon I'll get a, a Melbourne breakfast in a little later on. Nice. Sure. Sounds good. Bit of... Bit of home taste. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ollie, um, one of the like main reasons we were pretty interested in having you on is obviously we sit here and you know talk about the Premier League best we can week in, week out. But you know, we, we love all sports and obviously you're a man that loves all sports as well. We were just pretty vague question here, but like where did your journey begin? Like did you just wake up one morning and think, you know what, it's time to get a microphone in front of me? Where did it all start? Well, it's a funny one in the sense that I always knew I wanted to, I guess, perform is the right word or or be in that industry. I never thought it'd be with sport because it was always such a an interest just as a hobby, you know, as it, as it is for so many kids. And you know, I grew up in Tasmania and I just but most of what I can remember about growing up was just going to the park, honestly, just, you know, kicking an AFL ball, kicking a soccer ball, playing a bit of cricket, just having fun like that. And so it was never really, especially growing up in Tassie, where you don't have a team, you don't have major media outlets like that, it didn't really feel like a possibility. So even though I knew I wanted to be in media, that wasn't the driving force. And then it was probably two to three years into life in Adelaide. I had been working on radio uh, with Nova and doing sort of music, music and comedy and that kind of thing, and thoroughly enjoying my time. But then uh, there was a station that was opening up in Melbourne. It was twenty four hours sport. And I went, "Geez, I could I, that could be right up my strata." And then it just things just clicked, and you just went, "Oh yeah, you can actually you can actually make a living out of out of what you 
genuinely enjoy and love. And since then, you know, there's a lot of hard work and obviously pretty natural ups and downs, which I'm sure you can imagine. But, you know, there's nothing like it when, when you genuinely would be doing this at home anyway or, you know, sitting on the couch or, or with your mates or, or at the game just for fun. There's something pretty pretty amazing about doing that for work and, um, yeah, something that, that I can feel pretty lucky about. Well, so, like, you said you, you picked up that uh, radio station in Melbourne. Would you consider, like, it a bit of a lucky break or if or hard work paying off or a bit of both? A bit of both, but certainly a lucky break, absolutely. Um, lucky in the sense that I hadn't done too much sport, in a sense, so I kind of had to prove my knowledge from a, a fan's point of view. So I'd done some MC work with... Um, with the AFL and uh, Hobart Hurricanes, things like that. So I had had some sporting experience, but when it came to punditry or pure uh, journalistic knowledge, when it comes to sport, it was all hearsay. It was all pretty much what my AFL fantasy team had done. You know, and then going back to the fact that I took Crew Alexandra from League Two to the Champions League in four seasons. Other than that, you kind of just had to, they just had to go with it and believe me. Um, but so, yeah, in a sense that that was, that was definitely considered lucky. But then on the other side, there's, there's hard work and, and still specifically now being in London, like I'm sure you can imagine, we all love our Premier League footy back in Australia, but not compared to how they do here. Yeah. And, and I struggle with, with things like, you know, it's all very well and good having a discussion about what happened this year or the last year or the season before. But when they're talking about what happened in, in the 1960s, 70s and 80s, you know, bloody hell, there's so much to learn. So lucky in a sense you're there, but then the hard work really kicks in where if you want to swim and not sink, you you got to know your stuff. And, yeah. it, you know, when you're around these guys, it's, it's pretty daunting stuff. So there's a lot of research that goes into it. Yeah, well, I suppose just on that, and you're talking about the Premier League in this instance, but given you're in a... For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. Australian, you're obviously into cricket AFL and I noticed on your Twitter recently the NFL how do you draw the line between being a fan and then being a professional and is it hard to, to, to remain not biased all the time when you're when you're in that yeah. sense absolutely absolutely it is I don't know if I do draw the line I, I, I think it's part of part of who I am in a sense that uh, certainly I'm professional when I'm working but I am, you know, I like to have a bit of fun and I'm a bit cheeky, definitely, definitely tongue-in-cheek with, with my approach. Um, so I'm not sort of coming from a, you know, I, you know, I listened to your interview with Mitch Cleary uh, and, you know, the work that, he's, that he does is exceptional, um, but he's very, um, he's very sensible in his approach and, you know, yeah, it's, sure. it's facts and, and things like that. But when it comes to me, you know, if it's, if there's a gut instinct or if there's a, you know, I love when it comes to a certain team. Bring it on, like why not? There's there's always room to, to have fun and show your energy and your 
character. So just go for it. If it, when it comes down to maybe writing a piece, that's when you, you've got to leave your, your bias out. But if you're having a chat about what you honestly thought about Arsenal or Minnesota Vikings or the or St Kilda, just be honest because I'm not going to tell you anything other than how shitty I felt when I was watching it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, just can I just jump in quickly? Sorry, I know Damon wanted to ask a question. How do you feel now the Vikings are knocked out? Mate, gutted. Absolutely gutted. <laughs> how, how, how silly do you think I felt? As soon as we beat the Saints, I booked a flight to Miami and I thought, look out, this is going to be great. I'm going to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl after three away wins on the trot. Uh, now I feel a bit ridiculous. But, yeah, look, another year, another disappointment for me and my shitty teams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Ollie, just on all the stuff you do, in the intro we sort of spoke about how you do a little bit of everything. You obviously work with Optus Sport, Talk Sport, ESPN. What does a, a usual week look like for Ollie Gill? Jeez, oh, usual week. So Monday, if we start on a, on a Monday, that's where we do the podcast I do with uh, Mark Schwarzer. Big big fan um, of that one, by the yeah. way. It, oh, thank you. It's it's great, great fun. It's um, it's still very much pinch myself, you know, to see, um, you know, we, we've recorded Mark's wine cellar at his place and you just look at him and you go, where did things go wrong? Where were you in your wine cellar with a bloke from Tassie drinking a bottle of wine? Uh, but that's, yeah, that's normally the start of the week. So we record that, uh, look back at, at the weekend that was in Premier League and a little bit of Bundesliga too. Uh, I'll edit that, upload that and spend a bit of time making sure that that's going out to the right places. Uh, then for the rest of the week, there's, it's all very mix and match, a bit eclectic with talk sport, uh, whatever, you know, we've got, you know, AFL games during the week or whether it's Champions League or Cup runs, things like that. Uh, Fridays, uh, ESPN, we do the, the NFL show. Uh, leading up to the weekend and then the weekend itself is pretty much stuck at TalkSport when it comes to reporting or uh, whatever it might be. Sunday nights we do the NFL show uh, and then the, the great thing about Optus that I'm really enjoying, it keeps you on your toes so if there's a story that breaks, someone that's fired, uh, you know, someone who's, you know, an Australian that's moved to a different club, uh, we go out on the road which is super exciting. So, you know, we went to, we've got a story coming out soon uh, with the assistant coach of Grimsby, which is a beautiful part of the world if you ever get the chance. Uh, Anthony Limbrick, a guy from Launceston, actually. Uh, so he's the assistant coach of Grimsby Town, which is fantastic. So little things like that, going out and enjoying yeah. and, and sort of, you know, getting to see a little bit of, of God's country, as they call it. <laughs> it just sounds like, honestly, it just sounds like so much fun, like without sounding lame, just saying it sounds like so much fun. Like it actually, I know Damon and I, it sounds like the dream lifestyle where you're not really working at all. You're just doing exactly well, what you're doing. You love. What you love, you're not working. That's so what they say anyway, yeah. I think it's safe to say we're no. quite quite envious. But just just on the fact that you work with the likes of Mark Schwartzer and get to do all these type things, do you have to this point a sort of standout moment somewhere where you really did pinch yourself? You're like, how am I talking to this person right now? Like, what's what sort of sticks out in your mind like that? So I think I've definitely had a couple. I've had a couple of doozies, and I think one of uh, Jurgen Klopp would probably have to be up there. Um, walking into Melbourne was one of the most intimidating places I've ever been, yeah. just purely on the fact that you know they had just won the Champions League at the time, and there's such an aura, as you can imagine, around the city of Liverpool. 
yeah. itself, but Melbourne in particular. And you go in there and you're sitting in the, the sort of training facilities just waiting for the great man to come in. And as soon as he comes in, the first thing you see are his gigantic white teeth. <laughs> and just, like it just, seriously, it's like a... Uh, a rom-com where it just grinds up the room and he gives everyone a handshake and he's you know, giving everyone the time of day and sitting down with, with Jürgen Klopp was unbelievable because he's just sitting there and you're talking about stuff like I got him to try and edgy my like I asked him what he you know when we, we did a slang game you know, Australian slang yep. I said what do you think Manchester means uh, and he goes, Manchester, I, I don't know, but I don't think it can be good. And I was just pissing myself. And then he's talking about, does your mum say, when I told him, you know, it's a uh, clothing store area, you know, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you know Manchester. You're winning goes, stuff, well, yeah. Does your mum say, you've got to clean your Manchester? She's like this, and you're like, this is just bizarre. But then on a weekly basis, I mean, he'd hate me knowing this, but yeah, being able to sit down with, with Schwartz is, is pretty incredible. Uh, and, and more, you know, going to his house and seeing some of his memorabilia for, you know, his playing days in the Premier League or at the World Cup is pretty special. And in his wine cellar, so how cool is this? He's got about eight or nine Man of the Match champagne bottles. Yeah. So, and it's all... Uh, it's all uh, designated or uh, printed for specific games, obviously. So it'll have the Manchester United logo, uh, the dates, man of the match. And it's about, it's half of my size. You know, it's about three foot. It's crazy. Far um, out. And seeing things like that, that obviously you don't even know, you know, I didn't know that he got. So it's being able to be allowed into that inner sanctum. That's a, that's a gigantic pitch of moment for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Well, just like retracting back to the clop interview you said you were sort of you obviously got into the room beforehand i know when sam and i sit here and interview someone like yourself or the other people we've interviewed even though you know we're not face to face it's still very nerve-wracking what goes through your head are you sitting here like all right i'm going to try and figure out a way to ask him this or do you have like goals and objectives break the ice somehow like like what do you or do you just think as soon as he walks in say the first thing that comes into my head what, what do you go how do you go about something like that well, firstly, I must say I am a very intimidating person, so I'm not surprised. I've obviously so I've got a list of questions, rough, rough questions. So for me in particular, and it's all totally individual as to how you feel like you best operate. Uh, for me in particular, uh, I've always found it best to have dot point words instead of written out questions because I find if I'm if I'm interviewing someone in particular that I feel really nervous about, like a cop, if it's too wordy, I'll just get way too stressed. The words will all just combine and mm-hmm. you won't know what's going on. So if Very I've got point. dot point uh, words, for me in particular, that just will, will spark something. But the only thing I try and do, and and still massively working on it, and I've got a long road ahead, but in, uh, I watch a lot of uh, a guy called Howard Stern, who's oh, kind of he's so good. in my eyes yeah. that so so good. So right? good. So, you know, if you, if you haven't heard much of Howard Stern, he's just he's almost the godfather of modern media yeah. and yeah. Uh, and of radio. His line of questioning yeah. is just really honest. I'm sure yeah. he's got a structure in what he wants to, to get out of his guests, but he will just ask what he sees, you know, and what he actually thinks. <laughs> so that's that. When I go into those chats, that's the only thing I want is is if something comes up in my head, uh, just say it. 
because it can lead on to a million and one different mm. things. And with Klopp in particular, he's such a media man. Like, he, he gets it. He gets the game. He's up for it. And you get that sense straight away. So, you know, as soon as he sat down, he said something about, are oh, you from Australia? Uh, I don't like the cricket. Like, that was the first <laughs> thing he said to me. And then you go, well, why is that? And then we just talked about the cricket. And I said, no, it's much better than football. Like, <laughs> have a bit of banter and it, it felt real, which was, yeah. So that, that's sort of my approach. Yeah, it's, it's We're quite actually, genuine, yeah. I, I'm going a little bit off, off our running sheet here, speaking of all that. So Sam's giving me a little bit of a look now as if to say, what are you about to say? But I just want to like sure. ask... Uh, I've listened to probably 90% of your podcast with Mark Schwarzer, but I do just have like, were you just like sitting at the pub one day with him and you're like, oh, we should start a podcast. Cause that's sort of like, you know, how most podcasts starts or how most of them start at an amateur level. But like, how, how do you plan that? How do you just sit down and be like, yeah, we're going to do yeah. this. Well, it, it sparked from, so I first met him when we got to, uh, lucky enough to work for the Women's World Cup in France. Yep, and that yep. was a super Super cool experience for me, um, to, and that was the first time I met him. And most nights we'd have dinner, and he would just, you know, being a former professional, a lot of them drink wine instead of beer, um, just purely for calories. So <laughs> he would drink a wine, and I'm really fond of a wine as well. So we would both, you know, have a wine together, and that was kind of our little thing. We'd, we'd have a sharp bread, you know, at dinner, and then go to bed. And when we went, when I came back after the tournament, I thought to myself, geez, we actually really got on, bizarrely. You know, you've got, in my head, I'd never thought that, you know, maybe we'd get on, but not, not as genuine yeah. mates yeah, yeah, or have yeah. a proper chemistry. Um, but we did. And so I thought, right, I don't want to not, you know, I can't let this opportunity go because there's something here. I don't know what. For me in particular, I thought there was no room whatsoever for a podcast with a former professional and a kid from Tassie. It just felt mental to me. I just thought there's no, you know, seriously, if I picked someone I went to school with uh, doing a podcast with Harry Kill, I'd just go, well, I don't understand. Like, what's to go here? <laughs> so it needed to be like, right, if we're going to do this, we need something else and it was wine so we wanted to you know I pitched this to Mark he said yeah I'm up for it and then I very much went down the path of right well I'll do everything so he's got no excuse to say no do you know what I mean like yeah, I yeah. didn't want to be like well okay well can you do this are you able to provide this I thought right if I just go away for a week plan everything so all he has to do is be at a place at a certain time uh, and speak then we're good to go uh, and, and so, because we worked for Optus, we thought they were the best uh, people to, to house it uh, and give it a bit of a boost. Uh, and, yeah, they were obviously hesitant at first. They thought, geez, a wine and a football podcast, that's a bit, that's a bit odd. Uh, but just thought, hey, why not? And I think it's good. I think it's growing. I think it's got work that needs to be done as well. We're looking at a really, really great guest list uh, for the new year, which is exciting. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a different kind of format and one that is enjoyable, uh, but not so enjoyable when you have to drink a bottle of wine at ten a.m. on a Monday morning. Yeah. It's, uh, not the dream. Um, just to wrap up, sort of like career uh, questions for now. What's the plan going forward? Other than, uh, not not talking about the podcast anymore. Just in general, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? What's the plan? 
it's a it's a bizarre question to answer. I've got no idea. You know, going from from Hobart, Adelaide, Melbourne to now London, it, anything at any point can happen. So, look, I don't know. All I'll say is that I just don't. I just want to say yes to as many yeah. many opportunities yeah. as possible. Uh, as I touched on earlier, I've got a, a real passion and burning desire for the NFL, which is only only growing. And, and you know, so maybe the States one day, who knows? But I'd love to come back and work in Australia and, and uh, you know, with Optus or, you know, just, just growing that the love for for, the fo- for football that's quite clearly growing at a pretty alarming pace, really, isn't it? Yeah, know, it's only sure. getting bigger and better. But, you know, the work in, in England is just fantastic, having right. a ball doing it. Uh, so, look, at this stage, I, I just want to close my eyes and hope for the best and <laughs> fingers crossed I can keep going. Not thinking about it too much. But so, yeah. get, getting back onto track a little bit about the Premier League, given this is Premier League podcast, I think it's only fair that we ask, why is it that you've become so into the Premier League and in that, where did your support and love for Arsenal really come from? Yeah, so it started, uh, I played for South Hobart when I was a five-year-old and they used to wear little rip-off Arsenal kits. So oh, from yeah. memory, one of the dads went to Bali for a holiday and literally brought back like 20 <laughs> kits for kids, the Arsenal kits. And we went, okay, so that was my first introduction as a five-year-old. But I also remember my my dad said that, uh, so he grew up in Devonport, little farming town uh, in Tassie, and he said that it was the first game that was broadcasted in northwest Tasmania um, in the 60s was an Arsenal game. Uh, It was just like a one-off game. And uh, so he kind of had a a bit of an interest there. So that was... You know, again, growing up, I didn't have uh, Ozstar as it was back in the day, so you didn't, I couldn't watch any games, but I knew that I, I liked Arsenal. And then growing up a little bit, I had uh, one of my best mates, Maddie. Maddie Luttrell was a, uh, a Man United fan, and I'd go to his place and we'd go, do you remember, was it called Meta Cafe? It was like the, the equivalent of YouTube. It was the, like the oh, shitty YouTube, essentially. Shitty but it YouTube. was just for... Yeah, so it was it was just for essentially for football. I think it might have been based in England even. Maybe that's why there were so many clips. So we would just sit there and and look up, you know, oh, Terry on Regals or Cristiano you know, Ronaldo, Scholes. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's where that started, and then it just only really developed and went went from there and then you know there's something there's a lot to be said that if you're planning your so when I guess when I was 18 in particular when I was planning my weekend around right what I'll do is I'll sleep from 3 p.m to 6 p.m then I'll go out come home at midnight and then be able to stay up all night for the Premier League games that's when you kind of knew you like something yeah that's that's, that's, that's called like living that. the dream that's living the dream yeah that's when you go right. So when I'm literally doing everything I can to stay up to watch, you know, Norwich, Aston Villa, you know, that's when. when <laughs> I think, yeah, I've got an interest in something here. Yeah, we've, we've, we've literally just defined for us why we're called the Premier League Nightclub with that statement right there. Like yeah. that is the exact yeah. reason we've called it the Premier League Nightclub. We, we were pretty. Well, that's why I just 
think honestly, Australians need more respect because you know a lot of a lot of the time people hear go, so why why do you go for Arsenal? Or why do you go for these teams? And they don't understand that we're genuinely passionate about them because you know, in a sense, I kind of understand. You know, it's in their country and it's a foreign thought for me if someone was to be like, yeah, I'm a massive Melbourne Victory fan. Like, what? Why? I do understand that. Yeah. But, but to a degree, they need to understand that it's like, right, you know, we're so dedicated back in Australia to be able to, to be able to, to you know, yeah, literally plan your life around these games. Yeah. You know, we're just as passionate. You know, if you're an Arsenal fan, you might as well live in Highbury, you know, if yeah, you're yeah. in Australia. Like, it's just how it works. Yeah, I guess like, Quite often, you'll see people say, you know, if you don't, you, you don't have the <laughs> same passion as perhaps, you know, the person who lived in North London. But nevertheless, it's like I'm sure many fans would. But if the games were on at two a.m. every week, you wonder if they'd get up for the games like yeah. we do. <laughs> Genuinely, so, I can guarantee you they would. There's no way. There's no way. You know, the alarming rate, and again, as an Arsenal fan experiencing Europa League as, as you know, over the last year or two. Mate, no one even goes to that. No one bothers to watch that here. That and you know, so that means people have got you know so many Europa League tickets uh, that they just want to give out because yeah. they're not going to go. Like that's the point, and that's because it's a five o'clock kickoff on a Thursday, and I'm like, that's a dream kickoff back home. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine yeah, if we got to watch a, a you know a Premier League play at five pm on a Wednesday. Like that's crazy. You just imagine, so, imagine yeah, how much bigger it would be. Yeah, that'd be it's it's a really interesting way of looking at it and you can have debates with with people from England and I'm sure you have just about how you know you can talk about it so you're blue in the face about how passionate we are but yeah sometimes they just don't understand so I completely understand where you're coming from now sticking to the topic of Arsenal just wanted to ask you obviously Arsenal probably in a very similar boat to you know a Man United team uh, about the change in manager uh, after a long time and of course, uh, you know, funds, all that sort of stuff. Where do you see Arsenal right now? I've seen you obviously go to quite a few Arsenal games or when you can. What's the atmosphere like and what's not just your opinion on the current state of Arsenal, but what's the general vibe around Arsenal fans? Well, I mean, there's, it's exciting now. You know, there's, there's definitely been a shift in energy, which has been great to see. But, you know, if I had just gone to my first Arsenal game, I would have been really disappointed because the mood and the atmosphere around the Emirates at the moment, it's, it's a little bit toxic. Um, you know, I had my mum over not long ago and we went to a game with, with my girlfriend and my mum and it was, it was the Aston Villa game where they were winning... Uh, 2-0 by half time and we came back and won 3-2 but for periods of that game it wasn't a, a nice place to be mm-hmm. it was just not it wasn't it wasn't the Emirates that I remember you know I made my first trip over in uh, 2012 and you know we weren't great but we're still making Champions League it was still you know we were doing you know great cup runs and, and it was you know it was a happy time to be an Arsenal fan so I have noticed a shift but having said that, I have also noticed a positive shift. So since Mikel Arteta has come on board, there's, there's, you know, there's life back in, in North London again, which is really exciting. And I'm sure you guys can tell that, even though you know that, that Chelsea loss was, you know, that was so frustrating for us, and, and obviously the draw against Crystal Palace. But there has been a, there's been a total change in demeanour, the way they play, players' attitudes, things just feel different. So yeah, it's. I think it's an exciting time. 
Uh, or maybe not exciting to the right word, but just enjoyable again. You know, mm-hmm. at the very least, even if Arsenal lose, you can guarantee for 90 minutes they're going to try and they're trying different things. And we're watching a more attacking, aggressive, and direct uh, play that you know we haven't seen for quite a while now. Yeah, well, so just st- sticking with that and on the pitch, what Arsenal are doing now, who would you like them? Who would you like to see them target in terms of transfers in sort of January and then moving forward into the foreseeable future? What do you want from that? Um, you know, a part of me goes, I wish we started to go down the, the path of what Man United have done and, and, you know, being able to sign really good quality youth players and, and, you know, almost pretend that in five years' time that they came from our academy because that sort of, that sort of feels... Uh, they're going about things. So, look, for me in particular, I don't have a specific name. The one that I'm excited to, to get into our squad is Saliba, of course, who we've signed. Yep. Uh, we've gone back out on loan, uh, but we'll get him at the start of next season. So, I mean, that, that's a new player in itself. I'm incredibly excited to see how, how he goes. But uh, you know what? Quite clearly, the centre-back situation is, is absolutely the one that needs to be rectified. But I just want a big-name player of any position to want to come to, to Arsenal. You know, I, I, as good as he was in uh, League One, I didn't think that Pepe was considered a great player worldwide or a big player. Mm. You know, big potential, but not a big player. But I just want a big-name player to just want to be there because that means so much more than you know, what the manager's doing or, you know, it just, it changes yeah. the outlook on the club. You know, if someone genuinely wants to be there, I mean, that's, you're halfway there once that's happened. Yeah. yeah just sure. a morale booster for fans as well, Absolutely. more than anything. You're talking about the Emirates being pretty much a dead spot. I mean, I think that's where you're going with that is that if, if someone wants to be at Arsenal, like, I don't know, off the top of my head, anyone specifically right now who's up for grabs, but it's just that extra added life you feel of someone that they can get around and rally around and celebrate. So, yeah, I know what you're coming from I guess it's just someone to talk about in the pubs again and all that sort of stuff. That must be... For sure, for sure. But, you know, look, we've been really lucky in the last transfer window in particular. We got quite a haul. Let's not forget that. It was a really good transfer window for Arsenal. So, look, to an extent... You know, there's players like, like Tierney that, you know, they're a new player to us still. You know, the, the time that he's obviously going to spend on the sidelines, you know, by the time he comes back and hopefully, you know, is totally fit and can have a really strong string of games, that's still a fresh new player, you know, yeah. that we don't know a, a lot about yet. You know, there, there's still, and obviously, as I mentioned, Saliba, that's so exciting. And hopefully then Pepe can fire. And who knows, mate? Look, it's going to be a, a really interesting time. But as far as transfers are concerned, for me, I just want someone who wants to be there. For sure. Um, all right. So just to wrap up this whole interview, we tend to like a, uh, like to ask a few quirky questions. Um, and I think Woody, we're actually one man short today. And um, so, yeah, Woody was very disappointed that he didn't get to have a chat with you. But these are sort of his questions that he likes to ask and he likes to chuck them up on our Instagram, like your answers, sort of. Um, so the, fir- okay. the first one is, uh, who is your current Premier League five-a-side team? And it ha- has to involve a goalkeeper. Oh, bloody hell. Okay, well, let's go for... Uh, do I have a budget? Uh, I assume I've got a budget. 
just just for fun. Okay, and I'm yep. going to go to Brasco uh, in, yes. in, in goals because I think he is a genuine shot stopper. You know, he's, he's constantly under pressure at the moment. So I'm going to go to Pravko just because I think week in, week out, he's making some elite saves and I reckon he's going to save me on my budget elsewhere. I'm going to go right up front. I think it's going to be hard to look five aside. I think Jamie Vardy would be better at five aside. Okay. I think that he would I think that he would be really good at breaking some lines. So I'm going to go Vardy up front. Jeez, uh, I'm doing this quite unorthodox, but that's okay. So we've got three good, players like left. Uh, yeah. Then we're going to go right, centre-back. Uh, oh, obviously, Van Dyke is your, your pretty pretty obvious one yeah. there. And then how do you guys form in, in five-a-side? Are we going... Are we going well, two, two one? I, I think two, no, one, two, usually four. usually we've gone people or well, we've asked this question a few times and usually it's as you, like as you've got goalkeeper, centre back, striker, and then usually a genuine midfielder, and then it can either be a winger or a midfielder again to go with like a okay. one two one. Oh. Yeah, one two. One. I like it. Well, this is this is going to surprise you. In the middle, I'm going to go for Granite Jacker. Because in no. a tournament, he would absolutely run through people's ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you don't can't plug anyone Grant. talented in midfield when it comes to my five-a-side team. <laughs> I want unpredictability. I want him having a go at us and himself in the crowd. I want pure <laughs> anarchy on the court. Uh, so I'm going to go for Granite Shaka there. And then I reckon I reckon Sterling. I, I, I can't I can't look past Sterling at the moment on the wing. For me, I think that as much as I would like brute force in the middle of my court, I think having someone like Sterling on the outside being able to dance around 50-year-old Bob from uh, from Sandy Bay, I think uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for Sterling. Sounds good. All right. And one other one we uh, would like to ask is, if you could have a sit-down dinner with any current Premier League player, uh about a three-hour, you know, wine and dine. Who would you pick? Andy Robertson. Don't even have to think about that. Andy Robertson. He is just hilarious. I think he is <laughs> one of the last remaining genuine characters, uh, and I think he, I think he'd pay for the dinner too. To be honest, yeah, I think probably. you know he's, he's chivalrous. Maybe actually, look up. Maybe I'll take it back. Actually, Hector Bellerin. Really? Oh, yeah. I've thought about it. Hector's my man. He has a wild accent. He, I just think, would be, you know, seeing some of his his interviews away from football, very intelligent guy. We we both have a, you know, more so, but, you know, I've got an interest in fashion to a degree and, and I would love to just pick his brains and talk about that sort of stuff. And I don't think we just talk about football. So, yeah, I'd probably go for a combo of, I might have, Main, uh, maybe entree and main with uh, Bellerin, and then would have some sort of loose affregato with Andy Robertson if I can. Yeah, nice, absolutely love it. Very, very good. All right, Ollie, well, thank you so much for coming on. We absolutely love getting guests on. Uh, Optus Sport have been, you know, kind, kind to us, and so that just adds another number to the Optus Sport tally. So thank you again, Sammy. Yeah. You got anything else to add? Uh, not off the, not from me, but I know Woody wanted me to mention that he's a massive St Kilda fan as well. I think oh, you, he really wanted me to mention that. Yeah, so you actually, would, so you would think highly of him, even though he wasn't here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and this is another one. I actually haven't never asked a guest this on air, but because because Woody is away, um. And he was pretty, as I said, pretty flat about not being here and a massive St Kilda fan. Would you be happy to come back on some point later in the season, hopefully with a little bit of a different outlook on Arsenal? 
maybe, and um, and talk with Woody if that would be okay with you, Ollie. Mate, absolutely. I'll put my red, white, and black on, and we can we can chat Morabin until the cows come. <laughs> I've got lots of things I need to get off my chest. You don't understand how frustrating it is being in England, where yeah, it's great talking about Premier League, and that is my first and foremost. But sometimes I just want to talk about you know what the hell's going on with Brett Ratton. You know, is it really going to be the year of the rat? I don't think it is. <laughs> and I need someone to talk to. I so, think, uh, oh. no, Woody, absolutely, mate. I'm all yours. All right, sorry. He'll be buzzing about that. Thank you for Thank coming you so on, much. Ollie. And um, all the best for the week ahead and the rest of the Premier League season. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, we really enjoy listening to your podcast and having a little bit of a boogie with the, the Premier League nightclub. Love Thanks. it, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much. See ya. I tell you what, Sammy, Woody is going to be absolutely... Livid. He's going to be livid and buzzing at the same time. The fact that... He's going to get a chat to Ollie Gill later on in the year. Yeah. How many times did he actually message us this week? Just about like, oh, guys, are you talking to Ollie Gill this week? Are you talking to Ollie Gill this week? I've got one from him right now that's literally like, are you guys recording yet? (laughs) (laughs) Far out. Anyway, um, that's pretty much wraps this episode up. It's been another cracker. Hopefully the audience thinks so as well. Sam, if people want to find... The Ollie Gill's probably five-a-side team that would you whip up at 3am on a cold London night. Where can they find it? At Premier League Nightclub on Instagram. And Damon, where can they find it on Twitter? At PL Nightclub. Yep, at PL Nightclub. Uh, and also, it's just worth a shout that the bushfire uh, funds that we tr- attempted to raise, 27 goals is scored in the round. $810. And that number could be updated in the coming days as we tally up all the donations from you guys so thank you so much for those who donated and thank you for those who uh you know retweeted us or gave us a little bit more exposure in trying to increase that number so thank you to everyone involved everybody have an unbelievable week enjoy the premier league hope your team wins and we'll see you next week When you get a ticket for not wearing your seatbelt, it comes from the police. And from your mother. And your best friend. And your family. We want you to buckle up every trip, every time. Three out of four people ejected from a vehicle in a crash will die. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for us. We like having you around. Click it or ticket. A message from the Michigan Office of Highway Safety Planning. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Podcast Network.